Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Uh, live here. Uh, we're, it's uh, 7.05 and uh, we are live. 7.05 and I'm live and uh, it's the first one of 2019 and uh, very excited to be here. I wasn't here last week um, because I had a, t- a really bad, I was in it, I was in Haney last week because my back was so bad. I had a really bad back, I couldn't walk. So it's terrible. So sorry about that. This is the first one of, of, of 2019. And I have just got on this um, because I just finished operating. So I am not, not you know, I'm not 100% there. I've all usually got all the questions all written down and everything, but I haven't had a chance. So I'm going to do it on the fly. I'm going to do it on the fly while I'm doing it. So hopefully it doesn't look like I'm doing. Um, there you go. That's the standard thing that I can have put on. Live Facebook Q and A. Please comment and share. Please do that. Please do what's saying there. And every Tuesday night. So what we've got here is we've got some questions, which I am going to go through presently. And if you have any questions, and I'm hoping audio and everything's okay, he's plugged in. The beard's back. I put my beard on specially for this, so uh, it's very exciting. Um, So I've just changed to another screen so i'm hoping oh, so I'm, I'm hoping um you can still see the camera and it hasn't sort of could you still see me when i did that i hope so anyway um because i'm gonna i'm gonna put the questions up i've, I've normally preempted all this but you know 2019 not a good start is it not a good start. Slapdash and sloppy, but here we go. Let's go. Question number one, please. Question number one is this. Unhappy after body contouring. So, um, this question, can I edit it? This question is... Um, from someone who's contacted me, who is unhappy, and she has sent photos um, of what she is unhappy about. Um, is that an unhappy face? No, that's a wink. Um, she's not my patient, so if you're thinking I'm being a bit glib about it, um, she is not my patient. Uh, she's a, another patient. Uh, she's had surgery um, somewhere else, and she is unhappy. And the question goes: Hi, you ha- you have been recommended for advice resurgery. I have had done. I had an FDL, let's say fleur de lis tummy tuck, twenty-one weeks ago, and have excess skin still. I also have a dimple above my tummy button that prevents full movement. 
I can only describe a feeling inside as a cat's tongue. I had breast augmentation up with an implants nine weeks ago and also not happy with this procedure. I had an arm lift and have been left with what can only be described as anyway, an unsightly looking piece bit of skin in my arm uh, pit. I would really appreciate it if you would look at my pictures and advise. I have um, done so. I have looked at the pictures and advised, but I said that I would uh, talk about it here. So there's a few things to talk about here. Um, this is quite a lot of surgery. 21 weeks ago is a fleur de tummy tuck, and then nine weeks ago is a uh, uh, breast augmentation uplift, uh, and also light, uh, and also an arm lift. I mean, that's a lot. Whoa, that's a massive amount of surgery. Point one. Point two. It's not really a point. Well, it is a point, but it's not really. A, I guess it's not that relevant. But it is a. Um, but the point too is um, that it is all quite recent, 21 weeks. She has shown me photos um, of, the, of the results and uh, there is some excess skin. So we go through the problems. Dimple above my belly button that prevents full movement. And also there was a problem with the skin above the, yeah, excess skin. The excess skin is in the upper part of the abdomen. I've spoken about this before. It's always a problem with, with, uh, with, um, tummy tuck the skin above the belly button. Now it does get pulled down, but when you have a fleur de lis tummy tuck, that usually means you've got an ex extreme amount of weight loss. It's just, it's for, so people have had significant weight loss with a significant amount of excess skin. And so uh, a, a, a tummy tuck, whatever type of tummy tuck, uh, fleur de lis or a, a standard full tummy tuck or whatever, or mini tummy tuck, whatever, they all address the skin below the belly button. The skin below the belly button is usually where the real excess is and the excess from the belly button up is always less than the belly button down the main problem is this lower abdominal uh, skin and fat and that is what is addressed with the tummy tuck so when you do stuff to the tummy that's where you're really tightening it and you do it by taking all that skin away and then pulling it down the skin from above um do you need the notes sorry i would have i would have bought them yeah it's all it's all done it's all done yeah thanks um um, so the the um, the lower abdominal skin is what you really focus on. It does help the upper abdominal skin because you're pulling it down to, to to close the abdomen, but it doesn't directly address the upper abdominal skin. So if you have significant excess in the upper and lower abdomen abdomen, you will you may still have excess skin in the upper abdomen after a tummy tuck. And it's like anything in this world, ideally this is something that you need to really uh, hopefully have been uh, spoken to about prior to having the surgery. Because you might have the surgeon saying, hold on a minute, what's going up here? The surgery really adjusts the lower abdomen. So if there's loads of excess in the upper abdomen, it will be improved, but it might not be as drum tight as you might want it. The other thing with any tummy tuck, is we are trying to make it as tight as we want because we want to give you a great result and we want to give you a tummy that's as tight as a drum, but um, you don't want the wounds to not heal up. So there's a balance there. So you're always, you know, you want good wound healing. And I think I think this patient had some, quite nice scars and nice wound healing and everything. So there's a balance there. You've got really nice wound healing, but you're like, oh, I've got excess skin. You know, it's, it is an art, not a science, and we try not to take away too much because if you take away too much, then... Um, Oh God! Do I have, can I do that in a minute?
sorry. Um, if you take away too much, um, the wounds don't heal up, and that's even worse. So, um, so the answer is, if you do have excess skin in the upper abdomen, you might need another operation known as a reverse abdominoplasty. Uh, the problem comes with all of these things is whether that's a revision or not, because people, uh, if they felt that that was going to have been addressed at the time of surgery, might rightly think that should be a revision, i.e. I shouldn't have to pay for it. Um, and then you might find a surgeon who says, well, it's a different operation because I see, a, you know, it's another big operation and you have to pay for it. And, you know, really it's about um, trying to educate, not educate, but explain to patients pre-op what can be achieved with a tummy tuck and say to them that you might not get the upper abdominal skin, you might have a bit of laxity there, in which case you might need another operation and you have to pay again if you have that other operation. And then they can decide whether to have the surgery or not. Um, but I must say, a reverse tummy tuck is not is only rarely needed. It's only if you've got loads and loads of excess skin, because the um, because the, 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 the full tummy tuck might not get all of that excess skin tightened. Um, so so, um, so the dimple above the tummy button. Now I think this is because it was a fleur-de-lis tummy tuck. A fleur-de-lis tummy tuck gives a reverse T-shaped uh, scar. So the scar goes. Above the uh, above the belly button, goes straight up and down, and, and meets the, the normal tummy tuck incision. So it gives like a reverse T or an anchor, a bit like a mastoids, I suppose. So the dimple might be the dimpling of the scarring. I think it's the scarring pulling in. Twenty-one weeks is early days. Get massaging it and what have you. But it, sometimes scars can dimple in, and um, it's one of the problems with a flirty tummy tuck. But it does give you that scar going up the up the uh, above the, the the belly button, straight up above the belly button, well, and below sort of. Hmm. I'm not sure the, the feeling inside is a cat's tongue. I'm not sure about that one. Don't know what the cat's tongue feeling is really. Um, breast uplift and implants nine weeks. This is the same patient now, and also not happy with this procedure. An arm lift describes a funny thing in the armpit. Now the thing in the armpit, what they talk about when you do an arm lift, you make a big scar along here, and uh, sometimes you make a little L or something. You do a T. It's okay. It's okay. You can walk past. You're right. You need me. No. Um, so uh, it's it's um, uh, because the, and the reason you do that sort of uh, the extension into the armpit is because you're trying to stop having a dog ear. A dog ear is a bump. Whenever you cut skin out, you get a bump, uh, and you try and create that dog ear up into your armpit. And the thing that you're describing, the look of your armpit, is sort of a, it's a bit sort of puckered in because I think what they're trying to do it wasn't me, but I'm imagining the surgeon was trying to do is trying trying to avoid a dog ear. And so when you try and avoid the dog ear, um, <laughs> you, um, you sometimes get a bit of dimpling. Um, you're right, Dave, it's all right. <laughs> um, and that's what it looks like, but you are trying to avoid dog ears, particularly down around your elbow. So although it might look a bit unsightly in your armpit, you have to sort of lift your armpit up to see it. Um, Again, it's a bit difficult for me to explain, just uh, sort of explaining away all this stuff because, you know, I need to see a surgeon and they should sort of explain what's going on. But, I, but I've got to say the results of the surgery were, I would say, you know, sort of within normal limits. And I think a lot of the unhappiness might be coming, be, uh, coming from what you expected it to be like and what um, maybe, the, I mean, I don't know what the surgeon expected. To be. I, I didn't see the pre-op, so you have to look always, whenever you're post-ops, you have to sort of take it in context of the pre-op. 
But I think um, these things do happen when you have these sorts of big operations and there are risks and things might not look right. But again, 21 weeks and nine weeks post-op, give it time to settle is my advice. Um, at least sort of minimum, I would say, is three months, ideally 12 months, but certainly around sort of six, seven months' time. If things aren't settling, then you could consider something, or then maybe a reverse abdominoplasty or something. But uh, for me, I think... Um, it all looked sort of, it all looked like it healed well and you hadn't had complications because that's the problem with these operations. Fleur-de-lis, abdominoplasty, breast lift with implants, arm lift, these have got a huge risk of complications, wound breakdowns, infections, um, what have you. So I know you're unhappy with the result, which is miserable because I'm sure it costs an absolute fortune to have all that surgery. But, you know, you've healed well, you haven't had complications and maybe that's not not much solace um, thinking about it. Anyway, um, but yeah, thanks very much for the question, and I hope that's been helpful. Um, so um, look at that. We've got some comments live, live comments here. Ellie, good to see you. Is that the surgery room? This is the surgery room, Ellie. Um, it's normally an operating table there, but it's gone. It's gone. Um, the operating table has gone. Um, Tracy, you've always been an advocate of the beard, and yes, the beard is back. Thank you. Uh, new year, new beard. Um, Gemma, nice to see you. Happy New Year. Um, it's the uh, first one of the new year. Roxana. Roxana Changizi. That is Changizi. That, that, you need to make a range of something. I don't know what. Skincare products or something. Changizi. Spa Medispas. Changizi Medispa. Anyway, um, what are your views on fat freezing? Does it work? That's... A, that's um, while I'm going to answer that question, I'm going to line up my next question. Because I've got a question here. I'm hoping, can you tell me if the camera goes when I do this? Because um, I'm hoping the camera's still on. Um, so, Roxana, what are your views on fat freezing? I really want fat freezing to work because I have got a, um, I have got a, state. Oh, no, I've done that wrong. I have got a, oh, thank you, a clinic, uh, which is like a building and, uh, well, it is a building. It's not like a building. I've got a building which um, has got a minor operating room. I've got um, clinic uh, uh, outpatient rooms. I've got space, basically, for a machine. And when you go to all these cosmetic meetings and the and the um, and the um, uh, conferences, they always have these people who are um, selling these fat freezing machines. And fat freezing is a huge industry, and the people selling the uh, machines uh, are um, are will tell you how much money you can make if you get one of these machines because you make a lot of money out of it and how much the industry's worth and uh, why you have to, you'll be a fool not to buy one. Uh, but I've been looking at these machines for years now, uh, probably about three years. Um, and the, prob the problem I've got and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, you got it um, the problem I've got is um, 
this is just my opinion and uh, speaking to patients and it might be that I see a biased group of patients because I, I feel that at best the results are often quite subtle. Now I can understand the attraction of the um, of the of it because people don't want surgery and I totally understand it. I don't I don't I wouldn't want surgery if I um, didn't have to have it. Um, so I can understand the attraction of the fat freezing but um, the problem is the less invasive the procedure, often the less the result. So the fat freezing is not always freezing. Basically, you have to damage the fat somehow. It's usually either freezing or heating, broadly, broadly speaking, uh, with some kind of energy, cold energy or hot energy. Um, uh, and the results that I have seen, they often show good results. But you find when you go to the meetings, they show the same results, the same person. It's often some guy in America. And you wonder what happens in that six months. Maybe if you got a patient who had a sort of a exercise regime and what have you, then that might have helped their, their fat loss. Um, they try and give you studies and things to say it gives, you know, so much percent fat, fat reduction or what have you. The proof of the pudding is in the, is in the results. And the jury is still out in my view, but my worry is, and the reason I haven't bought a machine yet, is my worry is the results are subtle. And the, and the machines are expensive, that's the problem. So the treatments are expensive. They wanna charge almost what it costs to have a tummy tuck for a sort of full treatment for, a, for a, an abdomen. And you think a tummy tuck, you can guarantee, when you look at before and after photos, you can guarantee there will be a result. You don't have to look at it closely. Like I've just done a case just now. I've just done a master a breast lift with implants. And there is no question that this patient is going to know they've had a, a you know, a result. Um, you, you can pretty much guarantee um, that there will be a result. You can't guarantee they won't have problems. You can't guarantee there won't be complications and they won't be unhappy and all this sort of stuff. But you can guarantee there's going to be a result. There's a predictable result with surgery. If you cut a bit of skin out, you know that bit of skin is gone and that bit of fat has gone forever. And so whilst I can see the attraction of these because the complications are much less and they're much less invasive, you can have it literally lunchtime sort of thing often. I think the results are less, the results are subtle. And the problem for me, and this is what I talked about in one of the videos, I don't know if we've put it out yet, it's the balance between the non-invasive, and I can understand how there's a big push for non-invasive because no one wants surgery. You know, if I say, do you want surgery? Do you want me to have an anesthetic and stick a tube in and suck the fat out? Or do you want me to put this machine on top of your, on top of your skin and it just dissolves the fat? You'd be like, oh my God, I'll have the dissolving fat one, please. Um, I understand why everyone wants that, but the results are less than they are with liposuction. And the problem is with, well, not say liposuction, with surgery. So non-surgical, the results are more subtle than they are with surgery. And the problem for me at the moment is the price is too high, I, I think. I think if the prices were cheaper for these procedures, I think patients would accept more subtle results. But I believe I might be wrong. Um, I don't do that. I haven't got a big, well, I haven't got any practice of non-surgical liposculpturing, fat freezing and things. You're probably better off speaking to someone who's got a big practice of it. Well, I have spoken to people who've got big practices of it who think it's great and it's, you know, and it's good from a business point of view. But I, um, 
I'm worried that I'm going to start getting people having subtle results, paying a lot of money for subtle results, and maybe not being quite so happy. And one of the main things I built the clinic on is having happy patients. We can't always guarantee everything will go well. I can't always guarantee that we won't have a complication or they won't turn out the way that you or we hoped it turned out. But I can guarantee we will do everything we can to make that result as best as it possibly can. So we try and give get, you know, the idea is 100% happy patients in the end because even if the result isn't as good as it could have been, we will do whatever we can to make it as good as it can be and we will get you to the best place we possibly can. Um, and if I start introducing something that then starts giving average results that we can't really make much better and you've paid thousands of pounds for an average result, you might start saying, mm, you know what, I'm going to give them a three-star review and say it cost me £3,000 and it really didn't do much. And then I'm like, oh, God, I don't want that in my clinic. So that's what worries me about fat freezing. Personally, I, next week I'll get a fat freezing machine and I'll be like, hey, come and have some fat freezing. It's great. Remember what I said last week? Scrub that. But um, no, no, that's where I am now. I am worried about that discrepancy between the amount of the result and the um, and the cost. I think, as I say, if it was cheaper and it gave you just a subtle result and just a little bit of tightening and a little bit of you know improvement and it wasn't and it was a couple of hundred pounds to have the treatment, I think you might accept that. But if it's many hundreds of pounds to have the treatment or even thousands of pounds to have the treatment and if you have to have the treatment repeated uh, at that sort of cost i think you might be um might be a little bit a bit annoyed about that and that's something that i would um worry about so that is my view on that freezing so what has been going on here uh in this uh when did you move when did you move from droidwich wow J. Louise Sawyer. Are you a patient of mine, J. Louise Sawyer? I think the J is a Louise. Anyway, when did I move from Joywich? Um, ooh, about maybe, I don't know, five. Well, I've had the clinic for five years. Was I at Joywich when I started the clinic? Probably five, four, five years ago. Um, basically, I did, I, what I used to do is I used to work at Joywich uh, Priory, which is where I am now, Parkway in Solihull. Uh, the West Midlands Hospital um, and Harley Street in London. I've also got practicing privileges at the Westbourne Centre and at the Spire Little Aston. So I, I've got privileges to work in the hospitals in like, how many is that, five or six hospitals in the area. And the problem when you do that is that um, it's just difficult going all over the place, basically. Um, I like Droitwich very much. It's quite close to where I live. It's a lovely drive because it's nice and you can drive into the country. It's a lovely hospital, lovely team there, lovely staff. Um, I love West, I love uh, West Midlands as well. It's a really good hospital. Lovely again, great theatre team, great staff, ward staff, really nice ward staff. Again, nice hospital. I think they're all nice hospitals. I've got no problem with any, any of them. Um, but I just wanted to streamline my practice. So I think if I'm just working at two hospitals and I'm actually looking at maybe just going to one hospital, uh, I, I'm actually supporting other surgeons now. So I'm sort of working with the other surgeons. So any new patients coming in, uh, I tell this to people are not seeing me, they're seeing these other surgeons and I'm sort of running the place. But what we're looking at is just going, taking people just to one hospital, um, simply for logistics not not to say that the other hospital's bad 
all the hospitals are good and nice and provide very good care and they've got nice nurses and nice theatre staff. But if you're working at Joitwich and at Priory and at Priory and you do a tummy tuck where you see people, you know, for three, three days afterwards and you have to go to Joitwich to see the tummy tuck patients and then you've got a clinic at, you know, in Edgemaston and then you've got to go and do an operating list in Parkway and then the next morning you've got to go and see your post-op in Solihull and your post-op in Joitwich because they're still there. You know, you're driving around all over the place. So that's why I stopped. So I stopped about five years ago and that's um, why. That's, that's uh, Roxanne Changizi, I've pronounced your name correctly, thank you. Uh, still on. Oh, good, it's still on. Excellent. Uh, your daily beauty regime made Changizi. The daily, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, Changizi, the Changizi, the Changizi spa, Changizi. I don't know, just see it on a bottle or something. No, not a bottle, because Changizi will go on a box. Or a, as I say, a Medi spa. Anyway, I don't know, maybe you already are. Maybe, I mean, and Roxana, you've got Roxana Changizi, that's her name right there. Sarah Eccles, what's the time in theatre for an extended TT? What do you mean by extended, Sarah? Extended? Do you mean it's TT with like TPT? Tummy tuck, I know that. I know you guys are always trying to catch me out with these funny abbreviations. What do you think of my um, border, by the way? Not my border, it's a new feature. Uh, you do realize that a lot of work goes into this behind the scenes. Um, tummy, extended, was extended? Uh, extended what way? Do you mean like a circumferential tummy tuck so that you go all the way around the back? Is that an extended one? Or thirdly, where you go up? Or tummy tuck with lipo? So I would. Um, let's, I'll just answer the. I'll answer a different question. If you know, oh, I've got to look at the chat in case you answer that question. Oh, hold on a minute, Changizi. I did, hold on a minute. What's going on? Oh dear, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I'm go further around the abdomen. Right, Sarah. What you've got to think about is that um, <laughs> I'm losing it on the comments. I need an assistant to help me. <laughs> Oh my God, Jade's put stuff in. Oh my God. Anyway, um, Sarah, go further around the abdomen. Sarah's got something else. My surgeon won't do liposuction at the same time as a tummy tuck for me being BMI 28. Just a bit further around beyond the pelvic range. Sarah, what you've got to think about is you're lying on the operating table. And so we don't really want to move you too much. So um, you go around, you go around the tummy laterally to the sides as much as you need to. So someone who's just had one pregnancy, you've got a bit of skin, redundant skin, you might not be able to have to make the scar long. If you've got a lot of excess skin, you'd have to make the scar longer and go around more towards the pelvic bones. I'd still call it a full tummy tuck, full tummy tuck being one with the scar around the belly button. So I'd still call it a full tummy tuck. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it an extended, but obviously this person's calling it extended. But you know they're all they're all full. So sometimes a full tummy tuck is shorter scar than a, than another one, which will be have a longer scar because there's more skin. Um, uh, once you start actually going around the back, and that's a different cat of fish. That's a belt lipectomy or circumferential tummy tuck, which is a different, totally different thing. So in answer to your question, so it's obviously a, uh, in terms of a full tummy tuck, it's a bigger full tummy tuck. Um, I'll talk about the liposuction because that's a good question. Um, but the without liposuction, a full tummy tuck, I'm going to go two and a half to three hours. For me, two and a half out to three hours, maybe two and a half to three and a half hours. Yeah, two and a half to three and a half, I'm going to say. For, an, for If you're quite big and it's going to be longer, 20, BMI 28, maybe three, three, three hours. Three hours is the answer. 
Uh, that's my final answer. Three hours. Um, your uh, way, right? We go. Oh God, what's going? On? Right. So Roxana has said, would you do more liposuction after a tummy tuck? Good question. I think that Roxana also. I've had a tummy tuck with excellent results. Good, Roxana. Good to hear. Um, which you could see in your patients, but you're not. But anyway, well done that. That's excellent. Tommy Tucks do or can give really fantastic excellent results. Sand Sandra Russell has just said fantastic. One word review, fantastic. Don't know what you're referring to, Sandra, but uh, it is good to... Oh, Sandra said, have you... I saw that. I saw that post come up. Have you had any plastic surgery? That's a good question, isn't it? Sandra, that's a bit personal, isn't it? Do you think this is a result? of nature. Do you think that I could have this visage without any external help? Come on. Look at that face. Look at this body. Of course I have plastic surgery, everything I can get. All works. You should have seen me before. Oh my God. It's a wreck. No, I haven't had any plastic surgery, Sandra. Um, it's a bit funny when people say would you have, or would you let your daughter have plastic surgery? Sometimes people say that. Would you do terrible plastic surgery? All plastic surgery is all bad, isn't it? It's all, would, you, would you let your daughter have plastic surgery? For me, I'm like, you know, it depends on whether they need it. So I don't think people should feel bad if they've had plastic surgery. It's like, have you had orthopedic surgery? Have you had ENT surgery? Would you feel bad about that? It depends on whether you need it. No one has surgery if they don't need it. Everyone's all plastic surgery, you don't need to have plastic surgery. Well, you don't have, need to have a lot of ENT surgery and a lot of orthopedic surgery. You know, it just makes your life a bit easier if you do have it. And it makes you a bit, you know, feel a bit better. So that's what most surgeries trying to do, making people feel better. And plastic surgery can do that just like ENT surgery can do it, just like um, orthopedic surgery can do it, whatever. So what I would say, if someone, if I needed plastic surgery for whatever reason, so if I needed to have something done, I would have it done, whether it be plastic surgery or orthopedic surgery or ENT surgery or general surgery. You know, if I thought, well, I did, I had a hernia. So I had general surgery. There you go, because I had a hernia. But I wouldn't have had general surgery if I didn't have a hernia, would I? I only had it because I had a hernia. Same with plastic surgery. Don't need, don't, need it, don't need anything. But if I did, then I would, if I did need something, then I would weigh up pros and cons, weigh up the risk of surgery against the benefits I was going to get from the surgery and make a judgment on that whatever type of surgery it was. But no, I, I haven't had specifically any plastic surgery. Um, would you do, so here we go. I'm also, <laughs> I just did like, I like that question. Um, here we go, Sarah's saying, my surgeon won't do liposuction at the same time as a tummy tuck for me being BMI 28. That's a bit harsh, Sarah. Um, surgeons often, me included, won't do tummy, uh, sorry, won't do liposuction to the upper abdomen. I'm gonna do a bit of, you can see this is all, Boy. So oh, you're going to see my things all anyway to this bit here. Um, I should have untangled that it's all a bit uh, because you're worried about the um, vascularity of the of the skin when you do a tummy tuck. So you worry about um, interrupting that vascularity. So you don't do a, a surgery as lumbar liposuction to the upper abdomen when you do a tummy tuck. Uh, is this what Roxana is saying? Would you do more liposuction after a tummy tuck? Think about that lady who had the fleur to leave or a bit of excess fullness in the upper abdomen. Sometimes a bit of liposuction to that can help, but you do it later. You wouldn't do it at the time of the, well, I wouldn't do it at the time of the tummy tuck. Many
So, um, gosh, Sarah, you understand, God. Um, yeah, so is it the upper abdomen they're talking about? So I think that's, that's, that's standard. What, where you usually do, uh, Tommy, uh, where you usually do, I know I disappeared. Um, I don't know what happened, uh, but it was pretty frightening, I can tell you, is here. You do tummy, uh, you liposuction here when you do a tummy tuck to the sides, the flanks, the hips. That is standard for a tummy tuck. I don't know. So your surgeon might be saying they wouldn't do it to the upper abdomen, and that would be to anyone. It might be because you've got a BMI of 28. They might be saying you've got a bit. So this might be your surgeon saying you've got a bit of fullness in your upper abdomen. I'm not going to do any liposuction at the time of the tummy tuck, but I could do it later. Um, but then you'd have to. Then maybe you're prepared. Particularly if you have to pay for that liposuction later. You're, you're prepared for that because you have to prepare people for the result that they can achieve. So like, I'm going to do a really good result with your lower abdomen, but I can't really. So that might be where your surgeon's going. I can't really get too much in the upper abdomen. You could always have some liposuction later. And you're probably saying, well, why don't you do it at the same time? And he's saying no. And that's probably why he's saying no, because he is worried about the vascularity of the skin because the wound healing is essential. Because whilst you want the best result you can possibly get, you want a drum tight stomach and everything, we're thinking, please, I don't want to have any complications. I don't want to have it. Obviously, we want you to have a good result, but we don't have any wound healing problems. We don't have any you know, wound breakdown things. So we don't make it too tight. And we don't want to interrupt the vascularity too much with our liposuction. But at the same time, we want to give you a brilliant result. We've got to balance that. And you're probably focused on having a brilliant result, quite rightly. But, uh, you know, any surgeon is, is always in the back of their mind thinking about risks and things. Um, Jade, my uh, just had a breast augmentation from Mr. Kurum Khan. Only one week post-op and I'm already so happy. I highly recommend him. He instantly made me feel comfortable and put me... Put my full trust in him and my outcome is everything I wanted. I saw Vicky at the standard clinic today and she's just fab. I mean, you know what, Jade? People will think that's, well, obviously it's not me typing that, but they'll think that's Kurum. Is that Kurum typing that? I mean, that, look at that. That's the sort of publicity we need. Thank you, Jade. That's fantastic to hear. Uh, Kurum is an excellent guy. Kurum is pretty much doing most of, we've got Kurum and Azam, uh, Kurum Khan and Azam Faroa. Azam is doing the skin. Um, because that's what he does. He's a skin guy. He's a plastic surgeon. But he does all the skin, and he is. Uh, and Kuram is pretty much seeing um, all the GA cases, the breasts and tummy, what have you, for me. So a lot of people are ringing up and saying, "Oh, I want to see the guy that I saw on the video," and uh, they're saying, "Well, you." That's me, by the way. Um, and they're set, the, the staff saying, well, you, you know, he's not seeing any new patients. You've got to see Kuram, and they say, "Well, who's Kuram? I can't want to see him," but. He, I work with Kuram. We were supposed to be doing a case just now, to be honest with you, but um, but we work together. I am running the. I I can't uh, do all the work, do all the operating, and still build the clinic. Um, so my focus is on building the clinic, working with the other surgeons, working with Kuram and Azam, um, getting um, the processes in place so that we can give an excellent a world-class service i genuinely want to be able to give a world-class service and i think that is achievable because i know what other what benchmark is the service and i genuinely think that uh, we um can do that and do do that so but but it's, it takes a lot of work and it takes you know we need to get all the staff and everyone on board and that's what i'm all about so um but so that's good to hear and jade is so happy she's put it twice so that's awesome jade thank you for that 
Um, so uh, very kind of you to write that. Um, Roxana, thank you for getting involved, Roxana, and a great question by, by the fat freezing. Jay, what's Harding? Ah, that's it. So I had my breast enlargement with you, enjoy it, which, um, yeah, well, come to uh, see me at the clinic, you know? I think I still got privileges at Joy Witch, but I don't really do any um, uh, surgery. Uh, I always, so having said that I, um, again, I'm losing, I'm losing the, losing the thread here. Uh, uh, if I was come back for more work done, would it be work you again? Work you again? Yes, it would. Um, what I've said is that I, um, I'm not seeing any new patients, but I am seeing my current patients. And as I hope you know, you're not Jay, are you? You're Louise. Um, but anyway, um, are you Jay, 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 Jay? Anyway, um, what I hope you know is that I never discharge anyone. So I will see you anytime, whatever, whether it be for the problem that you, the surgery you had in the first place for a checkup, or if you want something else, you know, that's fine. Come and see my current patients. I will continue to look after my current patients. I won't say to my current patients, oh, you've got to go and see Kuram. I am still doing clinics and I will see you at my clinic in HBaston, no problem at all. Um, it's just for easily needed surgery, I would probably say, look, come to one of the theatres up here. If you said, look, I desperately want to have it done at Joitwich, well, I'd probably say it'd be better to have it done up, up here. But um, but yeah, um, yes, Jamie, yes. Right, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Jamie Harding, now you know, why don't you say? Why don't you say? I remember you. God, that's going back a bit. Yes, by all means, whether or not you want anything done, just come to the clinic and um, and we'll see you. Drop us an email, get on Facebook, uh, where you are on Facebook. <laughs> get on Facebook, you know, do a message or something, or just give us a ring. Give us a ring. Do you know the number? I'll put the number up. Uh, and I'll come and see you. No, no cost, cost or anything like that. Here we go, on-screen update. 0121, this is what we need. Phone number, 3680. There you go. Give us a ring, 0121 tomorrow, uh, Jamie, and make an appointment Wednesday and Friday in my clinics, and I will see you, and we can see how you're getting on. Lovely to see you, see how, I, how you are. If you've got any issues, you've got any problems, or if you want any, any anything different done or anything new, I'll be happy to see you. Yep, still seeing my new, my uh, sorry, current patients. So that'd be lovely to see you, and good to, good to see you here. Uh, blast in the past. Um, so, Oh, where am I at with the question thing here? Go further around the abdomen, you've done that. Just a bit further around the pelvis bones, done that. Uh, I've been told extended TT too. Oh, here we go, everyone's been told extended TT. All right then, so um, is that a thing then, extended TT? Okay, I would just still call it a full tummy tuck. Um, the main thing for me is whether I'm gonna change the positioning of you, uh, and, I, and some are longer than others. Um, there is, anyway, fine. Terminology he doesn't know. Um, not at all, you're so handsome. Very kind of you, Sandra. Nice to hear. Sarah now understands. Excellent. I've disappeared. I know that was a while ago. I'm coming back and just catching up with the thing. That's great. Getting down to 25 BMI now before I go ahead. Yeah, get your weight right and stable before you have surgery. If you can get it down to 25, that'd be perfect. And um, the other thing is you've got to try and get it to a sustainable weight. You don't want to get it down to 25, just sort of. Um, uh, falsely sort of thing for the for the surgery and then you know you're not comfortable at that weight and then you put weight on afterwards because that would not be a good thing but if you can ideally if you can get your weight down your risk of complications or what have you are are less 
Um, so that's not that's that's certainly a good thing. Is it safe to have liposuction on upper part of abdomen before tummy tuck, or would it compromise blood flow? No, you can have it before tummy tuck. Yeah, that's that's, that's that is safe. You probably want to leave it a few months, um, three to six months before having the tummy tuck. But you could have it done that way around if you wanted. Um, but I would say have the tummy tuck first because I say it does pull down the skin of the upper abdomen when you have a tummy tuck. So you might find that actually when you have a tummy tuck, that would be improved. So you might have actually sort of wasted your money if you have the liposuction first. But you could you could do it. It would be fine. Uh, Jamie, thank you, perfect, I'll be back in touch. Yes, please do be back in touch, it'll be good to see you. Sad to hear you're not taking on any new patients. Don't be sad, Roxana, it's because if you are trying to, um, if you're trying to do something good and provide a really good service, what happens as you get busier? This is something I was aware of when I started. There's a tendency to potentially give a worse service when you get busier. So, and that's something I was very, and that, you know, I, I sometimes see that. I see people who are very busy. And I think you actually can't give quite as good a service as you were giving when you were less busy. So you don't want to get busier and give a worse service because my thing has always been about giving a good service. And so I try to sort of do a bit less. Um, but really it came to it that I think what I, I just really want to focus on the clinic and the service and how we treat people and how the clinic is run and how it is perceived by people and getting good surgeons. It takes, it's taken me years to find, uh, you know, we're looking for surgeons over the last five or six years. I've got, I'm very happy with Kuram and Azam getting good surgeons who can provide the, sur the surgery to the same standard that I provide the surgery. There's trained to the same level, the expertise to the same level. We can work together in theater. Um, but that's something can, that can then still provide the same service. So we can get more surgeons in when, as we get busier. In fact, we already really need more surgeons to get more surgeons in to still maintain the service. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I was finding. As you're getting busier, your service gets worse if you're the only person doing the surgery. Because if I'm doing the surgery all day, every day, it's hard for me to keep track on what sort of service we're giving to our patients and what's happening in front of house and what's happening when inquiries and all this sort of stuff. So um, that's where I am. I hope I've verbalized that, but that's that's where I am. But I'm still, look, I'm in theater, look, look at me, I'm in theater today, I'm still in theater, I'm still here, I'm still living it, I'm still doing it, I'm still on the, you know, I'm not gonna stop being in theater, it's just I'm gonna be sort of helping the, helping the, helping the guys. So it's all sort of in my name. Um, Saren's sad too, everyone's sad. Don't be sad, don't be sad. If you want to, there's a limit to what you can do with your own two hands. I've always been, you know, I've got family, I've got three children, I don't want to be operating all day, every day. I see people who sort of start operating in the morning, finishing operating, you know, start eight in the morning, finish 10 at night. Oh, I know it's now, <laughs> but you know, um, not somebody says as he's sitting in theater, at uh, 10 to 8 at night, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, you don't want to be doing that all the time. It depends on what your goal is. If your goal is just to provide, do surgery all the time, and I think some surgeons, that is their goal. They love doing surgery, and they just want to be in theatre all the time. That's fine. But that's never been my goal. I don't want to be doing surgery all the time. I want to make sure the patients are providing good care for patients. That patient who asked me earlier, all that stuff about the bulge in her tummy tuck and uh, armpits a bit puckered in and all that, she had surgery by a surgeon. 
And I'm like, well, why didn't you ask that? Why is that surgeon not telling you all the things I've just told you? Well, probably, well, not, possibly, I don't know. I don't know who the surgeon was, but possibly that surgeon was a surgeon who liked doing surgery and doing surgery all the time. And he's neglecting to look after his patients because he's not talking to them about it. And he's not talking about what's going on and what you can expect. And, you know, and when they do get a result, what that result is and what how that result's going to change and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem. I think you have to look at everything. You can't just, well, you can't just, well, some people do just focus on the surgery. I think you have got to focus on everything else. So that's why, that's where I am. I'm trying to focus on the other stuff. There you go. Look, you got me started there. Um, what's going on here? Would you recommend other surgeons, perhaps those who work in different parts of the UK? Yeah, of course, Roxana. Um, I know people all over the place. And uh, a bit like when people um, say, should you go abroad for surgery? I'm like, no, 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 you shouldn't go abroad for surgery. You should have it done close to home because all the problems. If people live in Essex, I had an inquiry a while back from Essex. I'm like, look, I used to work in Essex. Uh, I know loads of really good people in Essex. You know, don't come all the way to Birmingham because if you have a problem, or even if you don't have a problem, you have to drive all the way to Birmingham and then I want to see you for follow-up all the time. You have to come all the way to think. There's loads of really good surgeons in Essex, so or wherever, or in uh, Manchester, or in Leeds, or in Glasgow, or in Dublin. That's people from Dublin, or Edinburgh. That people, you know, but people from all over Cornwall. You know, there's really good surgeons. Well, not in Cornwall, but in Devon, um, uh, Bristol. You know, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I, um, I know people all over the place, so if you, it's good to have it closer to home. I, I stand by that. I stand by that because I say to people, don't go abroad for surgery. So I can't then say, oh yeah, come to have surgery for me, with me if you live in Edinburgh or something like that. I mean, we do people do, but I would say to them, you're better off, to be honest with you, getting someone local because then you know you're close by. Any problems, nip into the clinic, see how they, see how you're getting on. And we can do things by Skype and by all that sort of stuff, but it's it's, nice. it's always good to to get things done locally. Um, Sonia, he has already said not to have liposuction to upper stomach at the same time as it. Look at that, we've got interpersonal <laughs> chat here. Sue's having a go at Sonia. Awesome. Um, Sonia, sorry, I meant <laughs> Oh, God, all this is going on. When did this go on? When, when, when did all this happen? Where was I? Sonia. Sorry, I meant liposuction at the same time as tummy tuck. And how long would I expect tummy tuck to swell post-op? Um, yeah, so yeah, liposuction at the same time, not at the upper, not at the, yes, at the sides, sorry that. How long to swell post-op? Sonia, I say things start to settle. Again, go to your surgeon. Or not, am I, I don't think I'm a surgeon. Go to your surgeon, but I think things start to settle, start to settle at three months. It's not a quick one, you know, the first, you know, few weeks, things are pretty swollen, it's a bit up and down, swelling goes up and down in the first few weeks, it's, you know, starts out three months, six, 12, even 18 months, things are really properly settled, 12 months, I think things are really starting to settle, but, you know, three to six months, really, I think it's, it's a long time, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a quick one. Yeah, you don't want to work yourself to death. Sue, you don't want to work yourself to death. But the other thing you've got to do is you've got to do, you know, what you enjoy. And I really enjoy making sure the service is right and making sure that we are giving good information to people and, you know, this sort of stuff. And, 
you know, I enjoy doing that sort of stuff. So I'm doing what I enjoy. Maybe these people just enjoy being in theatre from eight in the morning till ten at night, and that's fine. And that's they should do that, and they should be happy doing that. The worst thing is when you do that and you're not happy doing that. You know, um, I like being in theatre. I love it. I love being in theatre. Um, but it's nice, you know. I'm going to be in theatre with the other guys. Are there any foods to avoid in the run-up to surgery? No, not really. I think people concerned all sorts of stuff, but no, not really. Uh, Sheffield, are you on a good surgery in Sheffield? Um, now, first thing is, depends what you want, Sarah. Do I know what you want? Sorry, Sarah, have you been asking about the tummy tuck thing? Um, let me think, it is, oh, Sheffield's a difficult one. Um, uh, is um, Hassan Shaban, is he Sheffield or is he Liverpool? I think he used to be in Sheffield, Hassan Shaban. Um, lovely guy. Hassan Shaban, uh, plastic surgeon. I think he's. I think he's uh, up there. Sheffield Way. I think. Uh, Bristol. Roxana. Easy one. Um, um, uh, my buddy Anthony McQuillan. Saw him yesterday. Has that worked? Oh, I pressed hide to show. Oh, I've done it wrong. Oh, done it wrong. I pressed the wrong button. Uh, so Bristol is Anthony McQuillan. Yeah, that's Bristol. We've got any others? <laughs> Uh, you know what you do, you look at Bar look at the BARPS website, BAAPS and, and BAPRAS, BARPS and BAPRAS, they're the two, um, they're the two sort of um, plastic surgery associations uh, and they've got websites who are BAAPS and BAPRAS, these, the, these are the websites for plastic surgeons and you look at the website and uh, it tells you all the list of fully trained plastic surgeons and it tells you what their specialty is. So um, BAAPS, British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons, does it by region. So if you live in you know, Sheffield, you'll see all the ones about there. And uh, BAPRAS is, uh, BAPRAS is um, the plastic, I'm not sure if it does it by region. I'm not sure, by name. Uh, Sharon, it's like a minefield trying to find the right surgeon. Yes, it is, yes. I think BAPRAS and BAPRAS is a good place to start. I think, um, yeah, well, that's why I've written a book. Where's my book? Where's my book? <laughs> Never accept a lift from strangers. I've written a book on it. It's such a nightmare. Most of them aren't trained, to be honest with you. Um, there's all sorts out there. It's an absolute minefield, and I don't know what to say. Well, I do. Go to my website, and I've got all this guide of where, what to ask a surgeon and a book on it. But basically, the bottom line is um, meet them face-to-face, -face, see if they've got good results, look at reviews and things, talk to people, previous patients. Um, we always say, look, do you want to speak to a previous patient? Now you might say that's biased because we're going to put you in touch with that patient. So, you know, but it is a minefield. Do you know anyone? If you know a, pay, a friend or anyone who's had surgery and they've been treated well, you know, that's a, I would say that's the first thing. If you know a friend who's had surgery or has, and, and they can recommend it, I think personal recommendation you can't beat. But I know a lot of people you know, may not know anyone, but it is a minefield. It is a minefield. 
and the problem is the law the legislation isn't very tight on it so there's all sorts of um people doing it who aren't trained and there's no problem no, no sort of law against it um sue is back in uh why do people get a swollen tummy after a tummy tuck their tummy is constantly swollen is it might just be swollen of an evening does it happen forever no um there's two things with the swelling sue after a tummy tuck one is swelling of the tissues in terms of if you bang your arm you get swollen and that's called edema that is a swollen tissues when you operate on anything any part of the body and when you traumatize any part of the body and let's say it's surgery is trauma you get swelling you get edema the other sort of swelling you can get with a tummy tuck more specific to a tummy tuck and other sort of operations is a seroma you might have heard of and a seroma is actually fluid watery fluid which collects in the space that has been created when you do a tummy tuck because when you do a tummy tuck you cut out a big bit of skin but then you have to make a tunnel up to the rib cage in order to pull the skin down to pull it down tight to get the wound closed that's why we don't do the liposuction because we're pulling that skin really tight and we're sort of pulling on that skin and because you made a tunnel up up to the rib cage there's a space and that space can fill with water well it's not water it's serous fluid wound fluid and that can slosh about so that can cause swelling as well. The serous fluid you can take out with a needle. And sometimes you can get a persistent seroma. You can get a loculated seroma. The seroma can get encased in scar tissue and doesn't go. And you might have surgery to remove it. So that's something that you could have a permanent problem with swelling uh, after a tummy tuck. Although you, you, know, you could do things to try and fix it. But uh, that can be a problem. It's pretty rare. I have seen it, I've never had it. I've seen it in uh, patients with it, um, but personally, I've never had it. But so it's a pretty rare thing, but it's definitely out there. Um, but usually it's just swollen because it's so traumatic and it's just edema. It's usually edema, just tissue swelling because it's a big op. If you saw it, you'd realize it's a massive op and it takes ages for the swelling to go down. And maybe a little bit of seroma, and this seroma usually settles on its own. But if there's a lot of seroma, a lot of stuff sloshing about, then you can put a needle in and drain it off. But your surgeon should be able to tell the difference and sort of um, examine you and, uh, and support. Sue, three minutes ago, God knows what I'm, I think I'm way behind on my comments here. I don't know what's going on. Sonia says, thank you. Blackburn, willing to travel though, as I'm not keen on going abroad. Oh God, this is tricky. I'm getting Blackburn. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Sharon. Um, Bart, go to the Bart's website, Blackburn. Um, the problem is that there's only plastic surgery site uh, units in, in big cities. And so there aren't plastic surgeons all over the country. That's the other problem. So the reason why a lot of sort of non-plastic surgeons pop up because um, I don't know, they're probably, you know, probably there's a massive unit in Blackburn now. But um, sorry, Sharon, I don't know Blackburn, but have a look at the Pops <laughs> website. Um, he did my tummy tuck. He is fantastic. Can't fault his work, says Roxana. Who, who Roxana? I'm in Britain. Oh, Anthony McQuillan did your tummy tuck. Did you? Oh, excellent. Roxana, I, good, good to hear. Well, there you go. I recommended the guy that you saw. Brighton, oh my Lord. This is, what have I done? What have I done? I shouldn't have started this, should I? Okay, Brighton. Now, I don't think there's any plastic surgery units in Brighton. So I think most of them will go sort of a, there's one in East Grinstead. There's Mark Pacifico in East Grinstead. He's got Purity Bridge. Um, obviously, there's lots in London. Uh, there's Paul Harris. Um, should I write these down? There's Paul Harris in London, uh, who's a lovely, lovely guy, excellent surgeon. But, and I think he works in um, Surrey. 
so Mark Pacifico is in Tunbridge Wells, and uh, Paul Harris is in London, and I don't know if they go to I don't know I don't know if they go to uh, uh, Brighton, but that's sort of London's not too far, is it? So Mark Pacifico, so they're there because right. Blimey, I've got into something. This could be a. Should we do a Facebook Live specifically for people asking me areas of the country with good plastic zones in? But you can see there's good plastic zones all over the country, all over the country. Loads of us. We're all over the place. Tenny a penny, you trip over us. But look for the bars website because there's also all sorts of other others, undesirables. <laughs> no, I'm sure they're not. I'm sure everyone's trying to do the right thing. Or his methods manner, I'd also recommend him. Roxanne, I think you're talking about Anthony McQuillan. I don't know. Yeah, oh, yes. Is that answer? You see, I'm way behind on the cookie. I think you are. Is that where dry brushing can come into effect? Oh, my God. What the heck? What's dry brushing? Dry brushing? Sorry, Sue, do little sparks. I don't know what dry brushing is. When you are swollen. When you are swollen. Dry brushing. What's dry brushing? I live across from a BMI who has a plastic surgeon, but he's so expensive. Yeah, well, hmm. what can I say, Jaren? After two years of research, there's a massive difference in prices. You know what, Sharon? Um, I don't know what to say. Um, go and meet him. You know what? It's it's. Um, it's difficult because what I always would say is that it's not so much about price. Obviously, it is about price, but it's about value. And what this is it goes back to the fat freezing. If you're getting value for money, you don't. Well, first of all, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. You know, you know that's fine. But no one can afford to buy spend money on stuff that isn't worth it no one would spend money on something that they could get for less money doesn't matter how much money you got you're not going to spend money on something if you can get the same thing for cheaper um, so it's about value and if you're getting more value then you'll happily spend more money but if you're not getting more value you won't spend more money so i think we as plastic surgeons need to if we are going to be more expensive we need to give more value and that comes in training, expertise in uh, the results we give and how we look after people after care and all these things. And you'll, you know, maybe he's max, maxing out on that and will, but it's hard before you've seen him. You need, he needs to convey that before you've seen him. You can't just say, I charge a million pounds, take it or leave it. You've got to say, I charge a million pounds because I do this, this and this. And look at all these patients that I've got that are so happy with my work. I've never put a foot wrong, and if you know, if I do put a foot wrong, I always make sure it's all done right. Um, yeah, but it is tricky. But I wouldn't go just on price. Uh, I wouldn't base it just on price because you can always find a cheaper one. But um, you want to buy. You want to. You want to. You want to get value for money. You don't want to spend a lot of money on something and then get a rubbish result and then not get looked after. And you think flipping it—that was a waste of money. So that's why this whole thing's hard, isn't it? I'm, I'm giving you an answer there. But um, do you want to tell me? The, oh, maybe not. There it is. But if he works at, I'll tell you what, Sharon, if he works at BMI Hostel, he'll be a BARPS member. Because if you work at a BMI Hostel, you have to be, well, he might not be a BARPS member, but be a fully trained plastic surgery, surgeon with FRCS Plast. If you go to a BMI or Aspire or Nuffield, one of those big hostel 
um, companies, then you will get a fully trained plastic surgeon because they, they, you, they won't allow you to work there unless you are a fully trained plastic surgeon. So you will be a fully trained plastic surgeon. Is it going to be worth it? I don't know. Um, tricky one, that Sharon. Massage. Oh, is that the same as dry drainage? Massage to assist the drainage. Yeah, you can do a bit of massage if you want. What drainage? It's the edema. The main thing is the, the garment, um, Sue. I think, well, I'm, as I say, I need a PA because I think this is talking about edema after an neuroplasty, is it? I think that's what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, a garment is often good. So, pressure is good, a garment. Massage, if you feel it helps, then yes, you can do that. And if your surgeon has told you to do that, then do do that because I know that some surgeons talk about it and there's things like lymphatic massage and things like lymphatic, manual lymphatic drainage and what have you, which can help with swelling. Um, for me, I like, I think the garments can be good or big pants if the garment's uncomfortable. Um, and time, time will help with it. If it's edema, if it's seroma, then you can have it drained if it's a big one. Yes, Sarah, God knows what that's referring to because I don't know what, where I am on the chats. Love your live chats. Uh, thanks, Rosanna. Nice to, nice to have a bit of support there. Uh, hope I'm getting too mixed up here. Yes, to dry brushing towards the heart, but avoid any stitches or bruised area. Dry brushing, brushing, dry brushing towards the heart. Okay, yeah, go for it. Dry brushing, oh, here we go, Sue's in. Sue knows what she's on about. Dry brushing and lymphatic draining matches can help with swollen stomachs, exclamation mark. I don't know if that means it can't because of the exclamation mark or it can, yeah. But yes, I think, I, I, sorry, I don't know, I don't know what dry brushing is, but yes, massage can help with swelling. And certainly if, it, if you feel that it helps, that's the other thing. If you feel that it's soothing or what have you, then fine. But often it's a, um, Often it's time and and support garments. I'm getting a bit out of my depth here. Is it common to operate on Erlos Danlos patients? No, Sharon, it is not, um, because Erlos Danlos is a condition with uh, well, you probably know it's skin elasticity and it is associated with uh, poor wound healing. So it is a risk uh, that you have a risk of having an unfavorable result. So it's certainly not. It's not a common condition. Um, and it's therefore not common to operate on people. It's a bit like what I said earlier about would you have plastic surgery. It depends what the problem is, that whether you have plastic surgery or not, but you will be at a greater risk because your skin is much more elastic uh, than um, other people. Um, it is hard to make it tight. And a lot of surgery that we're doing is trying to make things tight, or like tummy tucks and mastopexies and things. It's sort of really got a lot of giving it. It's hard to make it tight. That makes sense. And so you can have problems with um wound breakdown what's that sharon so erlos danlos here we go lacks muscle tone veins etc suffer from but there's lots of symptoms yeah collagen deficiency yeah okay so you suffer from it sharon yeah so it is a, it is a risk unfortunately if you're going to have, consider having some kind of um uh, body contouring procedure um you have to be aware that that is going to increase your risk of uh, having a potential complication and maybe not having quite as good a, uh, a result so um, I'm up to date with the comments. I think the camera stays on, we'll be away. So here we go. Here's a question here. I did have him. This is a question of a patient who I've operated on doing something else. And she's said, well, she's previously had implants which have been taken out. And now she's asking if she can have implants again. And I said, but you've already had implants which you had taken out. Not by me. You, 
way back. And then she said, I did have implants many years ago. I requested small and natural, but I woke to find huge and very unnatural looking breasts. I have been happy without implants until recently. I think age is a major factor in my change of heart. So this patient's now thinking of having implants put back in again. Now, the what I wanted to talk about here was the fact that um, she thought she was getting a natural result and she woke to find huge unnatural implants. And I think that is a, a worry of a lot of people. They all, uh, a lot of people think that they're going to wake to have uh, unnatural huge implants and it's going to look ridiculous. And I uh, totally understand that. And to be honest, I worry about it too because it's all about managing patients' expectations and making them um, uh, what your expectation was match with their expectation. And it is really hard and I haven't got the answers. Uh, what I would say is, um, what I, the reason I wanted to talk about this, I know this isn't really a question, she's just making a comment on it, but what I wanted to say is that uh, it's something that we do worry about. And that's why I say come back to the clinic as often as possible, and we just try and give you an idea of what it's going to look like. We cannot tell you what it's going to look like. We, it's always a bit of a leap of faith. We have sizes, we show before and after photos of other people. Based on your dimensions, we'll already limit the amount of uh, implants that you can have. The range of implants you can have will be limited by your anatomy, whatever. You can't have any implant you want. Um, there is 3D software, we've been looking at that too, a bit like the fat freezing, where you can take a photo and then morph it. So you can say, take a photo of you now, and then say, this is what you'll look like with, with uh, you know, 300 cc implants in, and this is what you'll look like with 200 cc implants in. And I think that can be useful. Um, there's always that worry that, you know, if you don't look like that sort of thing, that's always a bit of a worry. But I think it, we don't have the 3D morphing software. It's another thing that I'm, we have looked into. And there's just a few issues around it that, you know, that if you, you know, when you're doing things like rhinoplasty and what have you, it's hard to guarantee you're going to deliver that result. So whether it's helpful to the patient or not, you don't want them to think that they're going to look like that. But then if they don't look like that, anyway, the bottom line is you can't, you feel like having 3D soft morphing software and then the 3D morphing software does a surgery. That's what you want, you know, so then, okay, 3D morphing software. If you say that's what it's going to like, you do the surgery and make it look like that because it's, it's medicine, it's health, it's body, it's healing, it's tissues, it's scarring. It's all unpredictable, really. And we can just try and give you the best of, idea of what you're going to look like and hopefully this sort of stuff's rare if you've been counseled properly uh, and had you know if you several consultations before having surgery look at people who had similar sort of profiles of implants the profile is more important than the volume something i talk about a lot you know high profile low profile medium profile teardrop round the shape the shape and the profile are really crucial but also you got to look at your breast shape you got beforehand and all this sort of stuff that's why we have the our trident approach where we look at the width of the breast, um, we look at the breast tissue you've got, and we look at the shape and the profile of implants to try and put it all together to make a decision. But yeah, that's something that we do worry about and uh, try and try not to get too much um, of that sort of stuff happening. But I think people fear it happens a lot, but it doesn't happen very often, to be honest with you. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's because we try and counsel people really well. Which first, boobs or tummy tuck? Straight to the point there, Sharon, not messing about. Uh, whichever. If you're doing them both at the same time, if you're doing a mummy makeover, um, uh, I always do the breast first if you're having it in the same day, just because when you're 
do the tummy tuck, you bend the table and it's awkward to do the breast in a bent position. But uh, if you are uh, just having them at different times, you can. I would say whichever is the most biggest problem. Because you might have a wound healing problem, you might have a complication, you might not like the anesthetic, and you might not have the other thing. So do the one that you want to have done most first, and then uh, then have the other one done, would be my advice. But it, 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 from a surgical point of view, it doesn't matter. Have whichever one you want done first. It's, you know, it's uh, fine to have either one done first. See, um, what's going on, isn't it? Um, Allergan implants no longer available. I was wondering if you would do live if you can cover Allergan. As I've seen reports on these being withdrawn due to cancer risks, I have these in and have had capsule contractor, so I'm a little worried now. Yeah, you might have seen this topical, topical um, in the um, news about um, Allergan implants have been, uh, well, what happens is they, uh, implants have to, uh, or implant companies have to get a CE mark, which is a mark to say that they're um, okay to sell in the, in the, in the Europe. Um, and they have to be, the CE mark has to be renewed and they haven't renewed their CE mark. So it's not like they've been sort of, they've been actively well, anyway, that's what's happened. They haven't renewed their CE mark. So therefore, they cannot be sold in the UK or in Europe. And uh, this is um, related to ALCL, which is a type of cancer associated with breast implants. Uh, we always used to say that breast implants can't cause cancer. There is now one called ALCL. It's very, very rare. Um, but it's out there and it's associated with breast implants. So you need to know about it if you're gonna have implants. And they found that there were quite a lot of cases. They, they thought it was due to the texturing of the implant. They, we, am I them? I don't know, maybe I'm them, we. We thought it was due to the texturing of the implant. And the reason we, we think, we didn't thought, we think. And the reason we think that is because there are no cases of ALCA in patients with smooth implants. So smooth implants haven't got any, any texturing. And so we think it might be something through the texturing. And I think there was quite a lot with us, with Allergan, uh, with the texturing, and they thought maybe it's something to do with their texturing. We don't know what causes it, to be honest with you. And the only reason we think that it's due to the texturing is because there's no cases with, it, with smooth. There's no sort of causal relationship. So we, tomorrow there might be a case with smooth, and then we'll think, well, that's gone out the window. So therefore, there's some surgeons are now just putting in smooth implants. We're all telling people about this, that there are no cases with smooth. So if you want a smooth implant, or if you want to have no risk of ALC, well, you can't say there's no risk because it might, as I say, tomorrow someone might turn up with an ALCL with a smooth implant. But um, there are no cases with smooth implants. So, um, but there were quite a lot of cases with Allergan and they thought it might be associated with the sex stream. It is a very rare condition. One in 25,000, one in 30,000. This is the sort of figures that they're quoted. And it is treatable. Um, it's got something like a 95% cure rate by removing the capsule. It's a cancer of the capsule. It's not breast cancer. It's a cancer of the capsule. It's a lymphoma. Uh, and it is treatable. So it is rare, but they haven't, they haven't um, renewed their CE mark, so they can't. We, we can't. I never really used many Allergan implants, but we can't use allergan but obviously now people with allergan implants think oh my god they're terrible we must get them removed there's no advice to say you have to remove allergan implants 
So if you've got allocarbon months in, I would say don't worry. You probably are worried about what's going on. But you know, the advice is don't worry. If you have a swelling, if you have a lump, and you've got breast implants in, you should see your doctor. Whether you've got any allocarbon or any, well, to be honest, even if you haven't got implants in. But anyway, certainly if you've got implants in. That's how ALCL presents. It presents with a swelling or a lump, and it's usually sometime after having implants put in, about eight years post post implants. As I say, it's a very, uh, very rare condition, um, but that is why they have been withdrawn, and that is why people are now moving towards maybe smooth implants. The problem with smooth implants is they've got a higher rate of capsular contracture, and they've got other issues. You can't have teardrop implants because they don't adhere, so they don't sort of, so you can't have teardrop. And so, uh, you know, it's another risk, uh, and is the risk of capsular contracture. Therefore, if you have a capsular contracture, you might need more surgery, and there's risk of having more surgery. Is that outweighed by the risk of not getting ALCL, which is such a rare thing? All we can do is tell you what's out there, and you know we'll give you information on it. But as I say, if you've got allergan implants in, the advice is you don't have to worry. You don't have to have them removed. You don't have to worry about it. But if you are worried, go and see a surgeon, get checked out. Um, and certainly, if you have a lump or a swelling and you've got breast implants in, regardless of what make of implants you've got in, go and see a surgeon um, to get checked out. But at the same time, please don't panic. Um, to put it in some perspective, the risk of breast cancer is one in eight, and it's got a not anywhere near like the the the, the, uh, the curable rate of ALCL. So um, you know, one in eight versus one in twenty-five to thirty thousand. But you've got a choice whether you have implants. So this is something we tell everyone before they have implants because you've got a choice whether they have implants or not. If you've already got implants in, I wouldn't be panicked about it because I think it is a very rare thing, um, and it's not really. Um, uh, something that you, you know, even the biggest unit in the in the world, you know, wouldn't see many cases because, you know, one in um, uh, 25, one in 30,000, is about, about 10 to 15 cases per year worldwide with, with about 10 to 15 million people were within plus in. So it is it is a rare thing. Um, but yeah, that's what's happened with that again. And it's a bit watch this space really, because that's actually just happened recently. Um, so it hasn't really affected us because we never really used Allergan, but it, I think it has rocked the industry a bit like, ooh, everyone's going towards uh, either smooth implants or they're going towards what's called nano-texturing. So um, textured implants are quite rough. I looked around as if I had any, I haven't got any here. Textured implants can be cut. You can have levels of roughness. roughness. So some are very textured, very rough. Uh, some are totally smooth and then there's some ones in between. So some people are moving more towards nano texturing. There might be something there, you know, as a sort of halfway house. And some are so nano textured, some are so not that textured that they're actually classified as smooth, although they are a little bit rough. And whether that's a good thing, I don't know. You know, you could argue there's a problem with the texturing. Nano texturing is better than macro texturing but surely smooth is better than nano i don't know whether we should be using nano whether we should be using textured um, personally i use textured implants uh, and um, i use polyurethane foam implants but i tell everyone about the risks and i say look there's no cases of smooth implants if you want smooth implants you can have smooth implants fine put some smooth implants in a few weeks ago that's absolutely fine but there is a risk of increased uh, risk of capsular contracture so it's a tricky one, a bit like choosing a surgeon. Nightmare, isn't it? Once you've chosen your surgeon, then they give you all this stuff. Nightmare. Um, how soon after giving birth slash 
uh, breastfeeding, can I have surgery? So um, the problem, the couple of problems with, with giving birth, um, not problems, but things like giving birth, when you give birth, you're in a hypercoagulable state, you're more risk to get DVTs and things like that, so you don't really want to have a surgery immediately after giving birth. Also, you uh, will have a small child, so you don't really want to be having a surgery, uh, sort of an elective surgery with the, with the baby. So you want to give yourself some time to recover from that. Um, but more specifically, particularly with the breast, is the um, shape of the breast, the size of your breast. They get bigger when you when you have uh, when you give birth uh, because the milk comes in, and uh, the longer you breastfeed, so that's why breastfeeding specifically is a is a, is an issue. So while you're breastfeeding, the milk the, the, the breast stay big, and then when you stop breastfeeding, the breast goes small, and. Uh, you get, you have to give your breasts time for that the breast to, for the skin to recoil, um, a bit like your tummy as well. So uh, actually, I was assuming you were talking about breast surgery. You might be talking about tummy surgery. Um, you have to give time for your for your skin to recoil and for your body to adjust and for your weight to stabilize. Um, so some surgeons would say six months, and I would say minimum six months. Um, uh, ideally, a year. I would say ideally a year. Plus, your baby's a bit older. Your baby's, um, your child is is maybe a bit more mobile, a bit more e easier to look after themselves. So I would say uh, a, a year after birth, really, um, but a minimum of six months after stopping breastfeeding, really, just to let your breast, if it is a breast thing, just to let your breasts settle down, the shape settle, and you'll know yourself if your breast shape is settling. Um, so, um, yeah. What's that one? We've got, we've got one coming in, coming in. Well, they were here already, but uh, that come up? when can I go abroad following surgery? This one I always say depends on where, uh, depends on um, the reason for going abroad. So, and the surgery, I guess. <laughs> so, obviously, you've got to recover from the surgery. So, um, you have got to let your body heal, let the wounds heal. You, don't want your little bits that are a bit red or a bit scabby. You don't want to go abroad. So you're looking at maybe six weeks to get everything healed would be a minimum. Um, then it depends why you're going. If you have to go abroad, even if your wounds haven't healed, you're not going to get stopped getting on the plane sort of thing. You will be, able, but it'll be sore, it'll be tender, it'll be swollen. You're not, especially if it's a holiday, you're not going to enjoy it. So I would say give it a couple of months. Um, even then, you're still going to say the swelling really starts at three months. But I'd say, you know, give it a couple of months. Um, just to get you, make sure you don't have any problems with infections and swellings and things like that. Because although you say I'm not going to carry anything, it's quite a big deal to go to go away and go abroad. A um, couple of months, I would say, would be the minimum. Um, if you really want to enjoy your holiday, I'd say three months. Um, you'll probably still be a bit sore. Your scars will probably still be a bit red, so you don't want to get sun on the scars. So that might be something to think of if you have something on your face. You don't want to get sun on your scars. If you get sun on your scars while they're red, they can stay red. Uh, uh, they can get uh, pigmented. You end up with brown scars. So. Um, so yeah, I would say um, minimum two months, uh, ideally three months. But if you, you know, something happens and you have to go abroad three weeks after surgery, you can. But it's just then you ring up and say, oh, it's a bit red and a bit painful, and we'll say, come on, come on, we'll have a look at it. And you're like, well, I'm in Portugal. It just makes life difficult because then or get some antibiotics. It's really hard to do that when you're in uh, abroad. So yeah, two to three months is the bottom line answer. Zoe's in here. Jonathan, I gutted. I missed your first 2019 live. Been keep fit. Nice to see you back. I am back in the house, Zoe. I missed it last week because I am not fit because my back went out and I was in lying in bed. So um, sorry about last week, but I am back. 
and I am well I'm able to sit for all this period of time and my back's a lot better thank you very much got whole physio and all that sort of stuff I'll do some exercise jeez I don't do anything you know so I've got to you know I might have to join the gym God help us um uh right so yeah I've got some quite what other oh, I don't know if you have you had enough I've got some questions here what's this these are from Instagram. I've got some questions from Instagram. That's good. Here we go. Sorry. This question says, does that work? No. What are the risks going with going under the anesthetic for a breast lift? Okay. So breast lift is quite a big op. It's two and a half to three, you know, two and a half, three hours. It's not a small one. Um, so it's quite a long anesthetic. But the beauty of this sort of anesthetic and the beauty of, um, not of this sort of anesthetic, the beauty of this sort of surgery that we do, cosmetic sort of surgery, um, it's usually on young, fit individuals. So the risks of anesthetic are very, very small. So when we talk about the risks of, uh, of having a breast lift, for instance, we normally talk specifically about the breast lifting scars and you know wounds, problems, and nipple sensation, and things like that. The anesthetic risks are definitely there, and there are risks with an anesthetic, and there are real risks, but they're very small risks, a bit like the ALCL. You know, it's a very, very small risk. Uh, and uh, people, you know, the, you usually say, you know, if you've driven here on the M6, your risk of um, coming to harm by driving on the M6 is probably more than your risk of having an anesthetic so um, they are small but uh, there are risks with an anesthetic you can the common well not common the, 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 the sort of things is things like an anaphylaxis or reaction to the drugs now the good thing is you're in a theater with an anesthetist and with a hospital you know so uh, if you do have a reaction then, then uh, we're all here for you um, but um, there are also other risks, you know, like damaging teeth, caps, crowns, and things like that. If they're if they're putting an in, if they're putting a tube in your throat, they usually use a quite a soft tube rather than a proper endotracheal tube. They usually think called an laryngeal mask, which is a bit softer, a bit more, a bit kinder on your teeth. But there's sort of risks like with that sort of thing. Um, there's risks with things like inhaling and uh, getting chest infections and what have you. Um, but the risks are usually pretty small. You will always speak to the anesthetist prior to having surgery. So obviously they're in a better place to talk to you about the risks because they're the expert in that. And sometimes if people have got a real um, concern, and particularly if you've got other medical problems, um, as I say, the beauty of cosmetic surgery is it's usually on fit young people whose risks are extremely small of having an anesthetic. Uh, but if you have got other medical problems, if you are at a higher risk uh, of having problems, we can always get you to talk to the anesthetist prior to having the, or you know, prior to booking for surgery or whatever. The anesthetist we work with are really good. They'll give you a ring. Um, and have a chat with you to talk about that. So you help you make a judgment on whether surgery is right fit for you um, or not. And the other thing you, you could consider having under local sedation. So you can have a breast lift under local sedation. It's quite a big op to have under local sedation, but it is possible if you have a if you if you are it's usually you are worried about general anaesthetic rather than we're worried about you having the anaesthetic. Usually, um, we you, you most patients are good candidates for a general anaesthetic, but um, it, it is something you could consider. Uh, and then we've got a last question in the house. Last question in the house here. If you have anything live, by all means, do ask. But the last question I got for you here uh, is this. Oops. Okay. 
is this. Removing a tattoo surgically. That's all it says. <laughs> that's the question. Removing a tattoo surgically. I'm not sure the context. Uh, yeah, we do that. We do removing tattoos surgically. I think a lot of people we see don't, didn't realize you could have it removed surgery. For me, it's a no-brainer. I'm like, yeah, you can cut out a bit of skin. Cut out a bit of skin anywhere on the body. And if you've got a tattoo on that bit of skin, you can cut it out, of course. But a lot of people think, oh, I had, thought I had to have laser. And I would say laser is always the first line with tattoo. And if you've got a tattoo, I think laser is the first line, to be, to be honest. I don't think you should have it cut out. I think you should try laser. Because if laser works, it's great. You know, it's, it's, you can't see anything. Problem is laser often struggles. Laser can be painful. Laser has to be repeated. Laser is not good with the color. And sometimes what happens is laser gives you a faded version of the original tattoo, which is actually worse than the original because it just looks like a faded version. So if you have problems with laser, or if laser doesn't work or what have you, you can consider excision. But uh, uh, and basically it means exactly what it says. It's like if you've got a mold in that area, just cut it out. Just cut that bit of skin out. And we often get, and probably the best thing if you have got a tattoo that you're worried about, send us an email that's what most people do they send us an email with it or send us a photo rather uh and i'll, um, I'll, I'll have a look at it or one of the, one of us one of us will have a look at it and say yeah that's uh, uh we can cut that out or blimey that's a big one i don't think we could cut it out in one go we might need two goes or three goes you know and this is how much it will cost because when you cut it out first time you cut it out as much as you can you leave some behind you leave it for three to six months for the skin to soften and relax and then you can cut another bit out it's called a serial excision and sometimes they get really big ones like massive shoulder and all that and they're like can't do it forget it you know hole in the back you know, can't do it you know sometimes it's not suitable for excision um, but certainly small ones in areas of skin elasticity you know like in the tummy and even a big one on the tummy you can remove you know it depends on the area and the size so like quite a big one on the tummy you can remove but like quite a small one on the finger can be really hard to remove because there's not much spare skin on the finger and you start coming out and you get like a sharp bite and it's quite um, moving hands moving and the scar can be a problem so it depends on where it is and how big it is bottom line but just send us a photo if you're worried rocky start i would say but i think we got into it there and that is that i'm done I've, oh, oops uh, i've done all the questions good bit of chatting banter which stopped because i think you probably all went to bed not unreasonably and so should i having said look at me saying oh i don't want to be in fear all the time i'm here 8 31 still here Anyway, there you go. Um, that was uh, that was that, and hope that was uh, useful. I am very glad to be back into work and everything in 2019, and I am extremely excited about the prospects in 2019 of the clinic and getting it built up, and you know, giving a good service to people and getting some good surgeons and. I think it's going to be really good. And, and, and I know people say, oh, you know, you're not doing any more operating and stuff, but I'm going to be operating with them and I'm going to be building a clinic and making, you know, making it something to be really proud of. That's, what, that's my plan. 2019. Well, 2019 to 2050, probably. Um, Khan, where have you been? Where you been, Khan? Nice to see you. Thank, thank you for being here. Um, oh, oh some buttons aren't working. Uh, there you go, Khan. Thanks for being here. I'm going to check out. I'm going to go and uh, do what I need to do. Do my thing. And uh, yeah, next week. Can't wait.
get some questions in. I, I, I'm a bit worried I used up all my questions today. I'm not going to have any next week, but please ask me a question, anything you like. Facebook me, Instagram or whatever. Um, Jamie Harding, I want you to, if you're still there, I want you to give us a ring tomorrow and book yourself in. Be good to see you, see how you're getting on. Uh, I know I'm in James Baston rather than Joytwitch, but, you know, not too far. And, um, oh, Khan's been all night. Have you? Well, you've been quiet. <laughs> see you. Sharon Jackson Lomas. Sharon, thanks for asking your questions. For goodness sake, that's my fear. It's my fear of coming on here and I'm sitting like a lemon and no one says anything. So thank you for asking questions. I think, God, what haven't I got any questions? It's great to have questions. Uh, I love it. That is why I say on one of the things which I've got somewhere, please comment and share somewhere. So I um, don't know where it is. There it is. So, yeah, no, definitely. Thanks for asking the questions. And I am going to go and uh, do my rounds, my postdoc rounds, get changed into my um, clothes and go home and put my feet up. I suggest you do likewise. Not the first bit, just the last bit. Why? Actually, just to put your feet up because you're probably at home already if you've got any sense. And I'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, live and direct. I'm going to check myself out of here and thank you again. And please ask a question between now and next week. So I've got more questions. <laughs> so I've got more questions to talk about. Happy 2019. Happy, happy New Year. I can't say Happy New Year on the 15th, can I? But Happy New Year. I should have made that a banner. Anyway, never mind. Should do it now. Bye. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.